Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Talk radio across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the home of common sense, the independent republic of Mike Graham. This is, of course, Talk Radio. Once again, uh, I have to say, we are in search of common sense. We've got plenty of it in here. It's out there that I'm slightly worried about. The sun may be shining. The sky may well be cloudless. But there are plenty of storms around last night and the mood is definitely turning a little bit darker, isn't it? The Insulate Britain nutters are out in force again on the M25 in breach of the government injunction. So obviously that didn't work. The fuel fools are also all still out there trying to fill up their cars and holding up everybody else while the government continues to tell everyone not to panic. Julie Hartley Burridge just said to me, oh yeah, but the thing is these people are out there because they need their cars to go to work. Well, they're not working if they're sitting in a queue for two hours, are they? Trying to get petrol in order to go to work. Just a guess, I think many people are still filling up their cars when they don't really need to. Meanwhile, uh, Greta Thunberg is slagging off the green credentials of Boris Johnson and all other world leaders. It's all starting to turn into a bit of a pantomime, isn't it? She's beginning to look like the Wicked Witch of the West. Interestingly, though, she's got nothing to say about the Cumbre Vieja volcano in La Palma. The Canary Islands has now been forced to evacuate 6,000 people and the toxic fumes are poisoning the land and the sea. The lava's literally running into it. So uh, never mind what it's doing to the rest of the planet. It's not very good, I would have thought, for carbon emissions, is it? Kicking us off this morning, we've got Dale Vince, UN Ambassador for Climate Change, founder, of course, of Ecotricity, the green energy firm. We'll get his take on Greta. We'll get his take on the insulation planks. And also, we're going to ask him what we need to do to make energy more affordable in this country. I might even have a few straight questions for him about what we're actually paying for. And if you're out and about this morning, we need to hear from you. What are you seeing? What are you doing? What are you being told? 0344-499-1000. I know large parts of the country are basically gridlocked by a combination of protests and people queuing up for fuel. 0344-499-1000. Coming up later on, it is that thing that everyone in the Westminster bubble is excited about, but that no one in the real world really cares about. I'm talking, of course, of the most important day in the political life of the leader of the Labour Party, Sir Keir Starmer. He's going to get to his feet uh, coming up round about midday, right on time, to tell us lucky people what his vision is for Britain. We'll be joined by former Tory MP Nick Dubois, who's got a new book out on the mystique and nastiness of the world of politics. He couldn't be more right looking at the Labour Party's antics on the South Coast. And also political editor Peter Cardwell will be awarding marks out of 10. Kate Hoey is here too to tell us the latest news on the Northern Ireland Protocol and we'll get her take on the French accusing Britain of starting a brand new fishing war by rejecting applications uh, to fish in our waters. 03444991000. Tonya Butchton is here as well, fresh from her debut on Plank of the Week yesterday. She wants to talk about the BBC and the pay rise that Tim Davey, the boss, just gave himself. Lots of other stuff going on as well. It's all kicking off right here on the fastest growing radio station on the planet. It is, of course, Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, before we talk to our good friend, Mr. Dale Vitz, have a listen to this. This is Greta Thunberg, the woman that we've apparently been being nice to all this time to save the climate. There is no planet B. There is no planet blah. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. This is not about some expensive, politically correct, green act of bunny-hugging or blah, blah, blah. Build back better, blah, blah, blah. Green economy, blah, blah, blah. Net zero by 25, 2050, blah, blah, blah. Net zero by 2050, blah, blah, blah. Net zero, blah, blah, blah. Climate neutral, blah, blah, blah. I'd say that's a pretty good impersonation of Greta Thunberg's previous speeches, but I guess say Dale Vince will disagree. Dale, a very good morning to you. Yeah, morning, Mike. How's things? Yeah, very good indeed. Well, I mean, they, they could be better, to be honest. <laughs> you know, people are getting uh, absolutely gouged for their energy prices. Uh, people can't get petrol. Uh, there's people demonstrating on the roads. Nobody can get anywhere. But other than that, it's, uh, it's absolutely brilliant. All's well. Yeah. Don't forget the food shortages. 
Well, I don't have any food shortages. I mean, you're a supplier well, of food. Good. Why is there a food shortage? Well, I don't know, but there isn't. There. I mean, it's shortage of drivers, shortage of agriculture. Well, there workers. isn't, though. That's the thing. I mean, we've spent the best part of the last week talking about what the problems are in this country regarding HGV drives. And an awful lot of them have to do with red tape, have to do with the DVLA being completely and utterly useless, and having to do with uh, lots of new regulations that were brought in, which have put people off driving. Yeah, I mean, you can talk about the cause of that, but you can't escape the fact that it's happened. We are short of 100,000 drivers. It is behind the fuel crisis and food shortages in supermarkets. It's going to affect Christmas. And Brexit has just made it harder and worse. Yeah, you see, I thought you'd be a bit more upbeat than this, Dale. I mean, we really are not, we're not going to have a bad Christmas. Christmas <laughs> is going to be fine, right, first of all. Second of all, there is no fuel shortage. The only reason there's no fuel in certain places is because people have gone out like idiots and bought something they didn't need. Yeah, listen, I am upbeat, Mike. I'm quite happy that the prospect of no turkey for Christmas and all this kind of disruption. Well, you'll be having the I usual think... nut roast, won't you? <laughs> Absolutely, because we need shaking out of our slumber. You know, we can't we can't carry on as we are. So I enjoy the chaos, actually. I don't so don't get me wrong. Well, you're an you're an ancient revolutionary, so I dare say you'll be you'll be uh, giving a big hurrah and a thumbs up to these uh, maniacs from Insulate Britain, won't you? Well, you know, I think what they've done is really bold, actually. And I know they've upset a lot of people and caused a lot of disruption. But, uh, you know, you've got to hear them out. You've got to hear what they're saying to understand why they do it. You know, the, the bigger disruption that they're trying to avoid is the climate crisis. And, well, they, well, you see, the you trouble with, with this lot, right? And I mean, I know that you're a supporter of Extinction Rebellion. And Extinction Rebellion at least have a sort of, you know, raison d'etre. You know, they want to do something to save the problems that the climate is going to have in the future. This lot... Uh, give a different story every time you talk to them. One minute it's about stopping people from dying because they can't afford to heat their homes, uh, which is the fault to me of big electric companies charging them too much money. Uh, secondly, they say everybody has to be insulated. Well, they have no facts at their disposal. I've never heard them say anything other than we need to insulate 29 million homes. Do they even know how many homes are insulated? I don't think they do. Yeah, I don't know. But I mean, they may not be expressing the case very well or you may not They're have not. seen them do that. But the case is clear that our poorly insulated homes means we use a lot more gas than we need to. That makes bills higher than they need to be. And right now, of course, that, that is just worse. And it, um, cold homes cause a lot of deaths every year because people can't afford to heat them. So there's a genuine case behind what they're saying. And part of fighting the climate crisis is to insulate our homes better so we use less energy and emit less CO2 and we live more comfortably with lower bills. It all makes sense. Maybe they need to express it better. Maybe I need to join them. Well, maybe you need to have a word with them and tell them, you know, to stop interrupting people's ability to make a living uh, and also to stop uh, ambulances getting through on roads because there is a serious aspect to it as well. And I think they need to stop playing around. And also, uh, why don't they sit on the roads when it's raining and why don't they work at the weekends? <laughs> hey? yeah, I mean, they're not that dedicated, are they? That's funny. That's funny. I mean, it was only six years ago, wasn't it, Mike, that the uh, hauliers and farmers brought the country to a standstill, causing a fuel crisis by blockading refineries. Do you remember that? I do. That wasn't that way back in the beginning part of the century. Oh, I thought it was. I thought it was twenty fifteen. Oh, Maybe was I'm wrong. Well, I mean, yeah. my 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 memory's not what it was, Dale. To be honest, you know, I'm getting on a bit now. So um, yeah, like, the same. The years, the years kind of come rolling in together. But let me ask yeah. you a couple of serious questions, Dale, because I do yeah, think we, we the one crisis we will be having and, and do have right now is an energy crisis. And you're in the energy business, and I've been asked by some people that uh, want to know the answers to questions to to put a few things to you, right? Um, because it's not at all clear. For example, when you look at your energy bill and you see what it is that you're being charged for, um, a lot of people don't really understand it, right? Because you're looking at, say, for example, um, what's called the energy cap. Um, what is that? What is the price cap? And what part of the energy bill is actually capped? Because if prices are going up as much as they are, there doesn't appear to be any cap, does there? Uh, yeah, there is a cap, actually. Um, and I think it was imposed uh, by Ofgem almost three years ago now and they have a very complicated formula for working out what it's going to be and and actually what it even is uh but it the idea of it is to keep bills at a certain maximum price this is for what's not, it is complicated standard variable this is tariffs. what i mean this is what yeah, i mean and there's there's, there's the all sorts of different i mean yeah, the, the the bill is broken up in a way that even i don't understand yeah, it is. Uh, bills are complicated and hard to read. Um, also, Ofgem have kind of enforced uh, a set of rules on how you present bills, which I think make them more complicated than they need to be. And, you know, it's all part of the, the fun of being in the energy business. So, uh, but, you know, I think the real scandal here, Mike, actually, that there's being overlooked, there's two things I want to say, actually. One is that the um, 
there are a bunch of people here making an absolute killing. And mm. that is the, the producers of oil and gas from the North Sea, because there is no price cap on wholesale prices. So these guys, their cost of production hasn't moved in the last few weeks or months or whatever, uh, but they are selling their gas now for five times what they were selling it for in January. They're yeah. making billions of pounds. And why are, the they allowed, and why are they doing that? What's their excuse for putting the price up? Uh, that's the market price. So, hey, it's, it's the free market, Mike. So uh, the global uh, energy market says this is now the value of gas. And they're like, whoa, coincidence in, happy days. Uh, but energy companies in our country are held by the price cap and squeezed in the middle. They've got these huge wholesale prices, which North Sea operators are benefiting from. The government are determined to keep bills down for for people in our country. And so they're squeezing energy companies, not letting them actually charge what they need to to yeah. stay in business, but which except, is why we seven bankruptcies. But we know, Dale, because I, I was talking about this more than a month ago, we also know that in October, prices are going to go up massively. So the cap yeah. isn't working for most consumers, is it? I, well, I think it is, uh, but it's not working for the market because we've had an, a bankruptcy every six weeks for the last two years, and, and a lot of it's down to the price cap. The, the rise in October is about the price cap going up to allow for some of the changes in wholesale prices earlier in the year. The other thing I want to say, Mike, is this, right? Millions of people are in fuel poverty. The government care about the size of energy. Yeah, I'm one I think of them. they're going about it. Yeah, They're going about it in the wrong way with the price cap. But look, Millions more people are in food poverty. We spend five times as much every year buying food than we do buying energy. Where is the price cap for food? Yeah, well, everything's going up. I mean, we've got inflationary pressure coming because of the fact that the economies of the world are opening up. So we've got more people spending more money. Uh, we've got massive amount of debt in the country. I mean, you know, if you were a pessimist, you might think we're going to hell in a handcart. Luckily, I'm not one of them. Uh, but the Bank of England don't think it's looking very good for the, for the foreseeable future. And the real problem for people will come if interest rates start to go up and people's mortgages start to get affected. Then you've really got a problem. Oh, yeah. Even more people are in housing poverty than are in food poverty. But we have no price control on rents or, or property prices. We allow developers to manipulate the market by land banking, driving house prices to crazy levels that more and more people just simply can't afford. Mm. Or even if they can afford it, they will spend Well, in certain parts in of the country, that's, that's not true for all parts of the country, though, Dale. But let's talk. Let's stick with energy at the moment uh, before we start re rewriting the entire uh, future of the world. Based on uh, what people have been paying in the past 12 months, the likelihood is that come October and possibly November and, and further on down the line, you're going to be facing an, up, uh, an, an upturn in your, in your cost of energy by something like 20 to 35%, right? Now, I know somebody who sent me some information here. They're saying that next year, they're, they're having been charged something like um, just under £1,000 a year for their uh, annual usage. Next year, it's going to be £1,379. Daily standing charge, £24.03, £24 pence, or 24 pence rather. Uh, unit rate, 25.15 pence per kilowatt. People don't understand any of this. Yeah, so the daily standing charge uh, usually is a pass-through from an energy company to a company that owns the wires, a distribution company. And, and it basically charges you to be connected to the grid on a daily basis. And then the unit price is a charge for the amount of energy that you've actually consumed. Mm. So, I mean, basically, they're measuring you as an estimate most of the time. Then they come and read the meter and either find something good or something bad. But the point is, is that people are confused now about which tariff they should move to. Some people are losing out because they've uh, they've been with a company that's now gone bankrupt and they are forced to go with somebody else and they're putting their prices up. I mean, basically, should people preferably move to a fixed tariff? Because, well, if the prices come back down, then they're stuck with it. Yeah, uh, listen, the market is a dog's dinner, in my opinion, Mike. <clears throat> All of those problems exist. Uh, prices will come down again because they are at some kind of artificially crazy high place due to a combination of factors, some of which is our own fault as a country. You know, we have 1% of Europe's storage for gas and 10% of its population. The rest of Europe is not affected in the way that we are by these high prices. <clears throat> and that's down, <clears throat> sorry, that's down to our government. Um, we also need to be making more of our energy and gas here than we do. You know, only 50% of our gas now comes from the North Sea. Uh, so we are dependent on foreign markets, but we allow the North Sea operators to price at the global price. And that's that's a crime because, you know, there's, there is billions of pounds being made right now 
by North Sea operators. And that money is going to be coming from the pockets of everybody else in the country. Yeah. And for no reason. Their yeah. costs haven't gone but up. So, so, therefore, so let's take that then as, as something we can agree <clears throat> on, that we should be more self-sufficient in terms of the energy that we need and the energy that we that we use. So surely it makes sense to move away uh, from North Sea, uh, if that's the case, if we don't own that, and then move to stuff that we can generate in this country. Now, surely fracking would be the future for you, wouldn't it? No, it'd be owned by the same people, and and it will follow the same market price. I mean, it's just, but also, of course, it's uh, it's a high CO two gas, so it doesn't help us on the other front, which is the climate crisis. But we have a different alternative, a better one than fracking, and that's green gas. We can make it from grass, and we have enough grassland to make enough gas to power all of Britain's homes. Mm. Um, that that's about twelve billion pounds worth of gas a year that we can make, uh, creating a hundred thousand jobs, and it's climate neutral. It's the perfect answer. Well, to who's going to own? But who would own that though? Uh, well, we have to make sure, actually, that the price of that gas doesn't track the market price. It doesn't need to. And so here there is room for some kind of price cap, you know, yeah, which but, the government but, have deployed in energy, but not in food. Yeah, but if, you, but if you say to me that if we started, uh, started doing more fracking, uh, somehow it would all be in the same hands as it is currently. Why would the green gas be any different? Well, it could be different. You know, it's a new industry and it, it could follow different regulations. I mean, this, this needs proper government intervention you know, in, in a, on a joined up. Uh, basis rather than kind of, you know, knee jerk stuff like the price cap was a few years ago. You know, we have to control the price that um, the producers of gas and electricity charge. We have to control it. Their costs don't change and, unless they're exposed to global fossil markets. But of course, the green gas industry wouldn't be. So when their costs don't change, we say this is the price you can charge. This is the margin you're allowed to make. That's the basis of Ofgem's price cap today. They allow a 3% margin for energy companies. Supermarkets make 10 times as much as that. There's no price cap on food. We all spend five times as much on food as on energy. It's a bigger problem. There's no price cap, no control. Housing is a bigger problem again. No well, I've been, cap, I've no been saying about the food uh, on the food front, and on many fronts, actually, that we as a society uh, consume too much. It's that simple. And people are in food poverty probably because they spend too much money on it. You know, the fact is that people don't need, and I've said this a couple of times this week, 55 different varieties of cornflakes. You know, you just don't need them. You know, you can have one. I grew up in the 70s when you didn't have this kind of choice. And people expect now to have their houses absolutely rammed full of food all the time. And it's ridiculous. Yeah, but the people in real food poverty don't have their house rammed full of food and they don't suffer from the issues that you're talking about, Mike. They genuinely can't afford to feed themselves or their families and millions of people suffer from that. You're right. We don't need 50 types of cornflake and we are spoilt by choice and we should change all of that. And worse than that, Mike, 50% of all of the food that we produce gets thrown away. We only eat half the food we make as a country. Yes, but that's because we're making too much. That's my point. And therefore, it should <laughs> yeah, become... we're wasteful. It should yeah, become uh, something that the, the people of this country react against rather than buying it all and, and believing the hype and watching the adverts and going, well, that's good, we must do that. Mm. Spending more money mm. on electricity because every kid has got a phone uh, and every room has got a television in it. And don't tell me that that's not the case because it is for an awful lot of people. The people who are absolutely dirt poor with nothing shouldn't be dirt poor with nothing because there's a benefit system which which supports them. There are jobs available to be done, you know, and if there are exceptional cases, then fine. But there's not many people who are in a position where they cannot better themselves, surely. There are millions of people in food poverty. There are millions also in energy poverty, housing poverty. I mean, you know, it exists in our country. But here's something, Mike, that I forgot to tell you. For all of the concern from the government about keeping energy prices down, what they don't tell you is that they impose a 25% tax on everybody's electricity bill. So about 150 quid, somewhere between that and 200, yep. of everybody's electricity bill goes to the government. And they add VAT on top of that. But isn't that, their, gre isn't, isn't that their green tax that they put on, the subsidy for green energy? Green and social measures, Mike, right. yeah, to tackle uh, energy poverty right. and, and that kind of stuff. So they're already stuff, charging is, us for that then? Yeah, yeah, but uh, but they they make the people that are in energy poverty pay for it. It's a regressive way to tax. Well, no, they make no, well they make everybody well they make everybody pay yeah. for it, Dale. That is the point of a taxation system. And unfortunately, I've always paid yeah. tax all my life. I've never been in receipt yeah. of any benefit whatsoever. Uh, but you know, I don't yes. complain about that. It's just I'm fortunate enough to be in that position. But stay where you are, Dale, because we want to take a yeah. short break. We've got more things to talk to you about. Dale Vince is here. Uh, I'm going to be asking him why he's not saving the planet uh, by creating more green gas that we can buy cheaper uh, and use. Um, more efficiently. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.
I'm talking to Dale Vince, uh, who, of course, is the founder of EcoTristy, UN Ambassador for Climate Change. I've been sent a, a very interesting um, message here from Olivia Dale about the price of food. Apparently, you can, in Lidl's, buy uh, a packet of pasta for 27p. You can get a red pepper for 35p. You can get uh, a British uh, curly kale for 39p. You can get a huge pack of British beef steak mince, 700 grams for 4.99. You can feed a family of four for that for that kind of money, right? For less than I would say less than seven or eight pounds, twice. That's not expensive, is it? Uh, no, that's not expensive. But that doesn't mean food poverty doesn't exist in our country, Mike. Well, I don't know what you mean, though. You mean people that can't afford to spend that kind of money feeding their family? Yeah, seven days a week, Mike. Not just, not just one meal, is it? You know, there are people. That well, what are, the, what are these people doing? Are they are they unemployed? What are they? Uh, they can actually often be in in work, uh, working two or three jobs, but just badly paid jobs. You know, I mean, well, maybe they've got too many very... children. Yeah, I think that's. Uh, you know, that's that's one of those knee-jerk things to say. Well, no, it isn't. No, it isn't. I have, ch- I have children, Dale, as I'm sure you do. I had to think about whether I could afford to have those children. And I had to think about whether I could afford to keep those children and, 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 and look after them in the way that they should be looked after. If I didn't think I had enough money to feed them, I don't think I'd have had them. Yeah, but everybody's in the position to make those decisions and choices in the way that you maybe have and nobody's in the in your position of relative privilege you know with a well-paid job and well i've worked very hard in, in my life dale i've worked very hard to get a well-paid job and to, to look after sure, the yeah. people that i look after and i have a lot of dependents a lot of people that depend on me for, for for coming to work and making money and i appreciate that i'm relatively in a privileged position but i didn't get here uh, because somebody magicked a, 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 an idea out of the sky and just said oh well let's give mike graham a job in the radio business no, I'm sure you didn't. Uh, it's because you're good at your job, Mike. I get that. But not everybody's able to do your job or to have the kind of lifestyle that you have. It's a simple fact that people... No, I mean, I used have... to be completely boracic. You know, when I was a teenager, I had no money at all. Yeah, you know? yeah me too. So, me too. so but, you know, uh, you've, also... you've, done, you've done very well for yourself, Dale. Tell me why you're not making more of this green gas thing. Why? Because you've got an, uh, an energy company. Why don't you start it? We are, Mike. Um, we announced it last week. With our new friends at the Daily Express, uh, we're building the first project in Reading. It'll make enough gas to power 4,000 homes, local homes. Right. And it's the... Can you get, uh, can you get a of... pipeline down to Sussex so I can get some cheap energy off you? <laughs> what we've done, we've done a little bit of a desktop uh, data study, Mike, and we found there's enough grassland in Britain to make enough gas to power all of Britain's homes. Right. You know, and, and we can we can make our gas here, create 100,000 jobs, detach ourselves from the global fossil um markets and and the price shocks that come with it and um fight the climate change all at the same time because okay. it's zero carbon gas you know it's a brilliant opportunity for britain and and i did send a report to george eustace uh, environment secretary a few months ago i met him the other night on sky uh, he's asked for it again. I'm hoping to get government's attention with it because it's the kind of thing that we need to be doing. All right. Well, let, let me put it to you this way, Dale. If, for example, somebody's struggling at the moment because their bill is about to go above a thousand pounds a year for electricity, and I'm going to give you an opportunity for a free advert. If they came to Ecotricity and your new system, how much could they save? Um, you know, I I can't tell you, Mike. I couldn't calculate that. Our, our gas mill won't be working until this time next year. So right. it's a kind of one of those questions that's pretty highly theoretical because gas prices will have returned to normal by then anyway you think well normalish yeah i do yeah so uh, but, but but basically the economics of green gas are that at the, the pre-crisis gas price they worked so we could make our own gas at the market price for fossil gas uh, there was no difference okay so uh, that was pre-crisis right well listen i'm going to come back to you in uh, in the near future because we need to talk some more about this i think and uh, unfortunately we're out of time but good to see you uh, i hope all is well down in the west country dale vince you and ambassador for climate change founder of ecotricity uh what do you think of that i think you might be onto something if we can make cheaper gas and we can make it here and we can control the price of it here surely that's a good thing isn't it the independent republic of mike graham on talk radio Right now, though, uh, let us catch up with Baroness Hoey uh, of Lyle Hill and Rathlin because there's some things in Northern Ireland with the protocol that were going on yesterday. And also there's a bit of a fishing dispute going on uh, in the channel with the French, don't you know? Uh, Kate, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Good morning, Mike. Thanks morning. very much indeed for joining us. Nice to see you. Um, what's uh, what's going on with the Northern Ireland Protocol? A lot of the, um, the, the unions got together yesterday and decided that they would make a sort of a joint statement. Tell us what that really means. Well... It was a very significant move because, as you know, there are three sort of 
unionist parties in Northern Ireland, which does seem ridiculous to start with. But mm. anyway, they've all got different views on particularly social issues. But they came together yesterday in a united uh, little statement video, basically saying all of them are opposed to the protocol and all of them are are therefore wanting the protocol to end. And, and what's significant about this is, if you remember the Belfast Good Friday Agreement, mm. it very much... Um, made it clear that everything had to be supported by both sides of the community. And here we have one side very strongly coming out together against the protocol. And I think it's just adding to the pressure that is now coming up to the end of of, uh, October when um, things have to have changed. Otherwise, some of the parties in Northern Ireland are threatening to pull out of government. And I think the pressure now is on Lord Frost and particularly on the EU to actually realise that they're not going to get away with just this idea that you can tinker with it and you can keep extending the grace periods because that's not going to change the fundamental issue, which is the constitutional status of the fact that Northern Ireland is being separated Mm. out drip by drip from the rest of the United Kingdom. Well, that's right, because it feels uh, as though, Kate, you and I have been talking about this for years. I mean, I think it probably is only months, but but definitely since the beginning of this problem um, and, and, and the breakaway from the European Union, you've been very clear that it's not a difficult problem to fix, and yet still they haven't fixed it. No, it, it, it was goodwill and with uh, pragmatism uh, and listening to people on the ground, it could be fixed. But of course, for some, some, uh, some organisations, some countries, and particularly the European Union, it's, it's not really in their interest to fix it. They're enjoying, I, I genuinely think the European Union are enjoying the fact that, that the uh, United Kingdom government has been put into this difficult position. Yes, of course, they signed up to it. But when the Prime Minister signed up to it, I don't think he expected the European Union to be quite so venomous. But also, um, I think he did expect that things would work its way through Mm. and it would be able to be changed. So uh, the Irish government hasn't helped either. um, But more and more, I think the Irish government is realising that they're ending up kind of being uh, not benefiting from this protocol either Mm. and that actually it has to go so uh, next week at the conservative party conference there's a big fringe meeting that i'm taking part in with david trimble and all the um unionist leaders again a very almost historic for the three four unionist leaders all to get together and um, i think the pressure will be on the the grassroots of the tory party next week to realize that you know they can't go on about supporting the union and being unionists and uh actually not doing anything. So I think, uh, uh, Boris, the the crunch is coming. Yes. uh, You know, the more more now that everybody actually says this can't go on, the more pressure that puts on the government to to, to actually, in the end, have to, if they have to, they'll invoke Article 16. And indeed, the European Union is now threatening that if they invoke Article 16, they will take um, the United Kingdom government to court. I mean, this, this is in the withdrawal agreement. It was put into it precisely because there might have been expectations that it, that it wouldn't work. It isn't working. So I think in Article 16 will have to be invoked yes. and we'll have to start again. And of course, uh, being taken to court by the EU over the in, in invocation of Article 16 is slightly ironic, given that that's what they did um, some uh, months ago yes, of their own volition. Absolutely. Right? So yes, absolutely. This is good source for the goose and source for the gander. Well, I, I, I mean, I just think Boris, with all his problems at the moment... Uh, should realise that, you know, getting tough with the European Union is not actually going to lose him votes. No. And he, 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 I, I'm amazed that he hasn't, well, I think perhaps he does realise that. And uh, uh, let's look forward to that happening. In yes. Practice. Well, exactly right. The bottom line as well is that uh, a lot of this was caused by sort of supply problems and, you know, food chain difficulties and the things that you could and could not bring into Northern Ireland. And it now seems as though actually Northern Ireland, in that sense, is a little bit more stable than the rest of the UK at the moment. Well, we're certainly not having any of the, uh, I mean, I was just sort of horrified looking at some of the pictures of the long queues at petrol stations. That's not happening here. Mm. Um, I, I'm not saying that we're, that, that we're that, you know, we don't panic any more or less than they do in England, but it, it's, it's certainly not been an issue here at all. And uh, people are going about their business normally. And of course, you know, without blaming the public, and you can understand why some people are queuing and because they you know, desperately need fuel. But I think, to be fair, there must be an awful lot of people who've just gone out and thought, well, we'd better fill up our tank when when we can. Yes. Uh, and so that, you know, but ultimately this is an issue about, um, you know, ending free movement, making sure that people are getting properly paid for very, very arduous and 
long long journeys and you know a job that i think a lot of people wouldn't do and they're not going to do it unless they get well paid and um, i think the companies have been exploiting them over the years so now again we have to try and get people from from our own country to want to do this job well i think clearly as well and a lot of uh, lorry drivers have spoken to me over the past week kate and and many of them um are very happy in fact, that the uh, the cheaper labour that was here has now gone because they're getting more money to do the job that they think they should be paid to do. Um, but an awful lot of people are also tied up with uh, red tape, uh, this new CDC, yeah. um, CPC qualification that they're supposed to get, uh, which costs them quite a lot of money. Uh, the fact that the DVLA is more or less working uh, as, as if it's not open at all at the moment. And yeah. so many problems are created around the issue that it's not actually there's a shortage. It's just there's just a lot of problems that can be yeah. fixed. But I mean, it makes it it's been so much easier for sort of people, particularly the the usual suspects to simply try and blame Brexit. I mean, I I think the government is at fault for not having thought about this more and done something to actually sort out the problems at the DVLA, which many people have been talking about for some time. Um, And if that if that could get sorted and the whole process of of getting people to be recognised and to be qualified could be speeded up, would make a great difference. But we're not going to solve this problem long term by simply allowing thousands and thousands more people to come in from from um, the, uh, the rest of Europe. Mm. And that's why I thought it was very short-sighted of um, the uh, leader of the Labour Party to be saying that that's really the answer, bring in 100,000. You know, that's not going to, that's not going to solve anything. No. Well, also, there aren't, I mean, also typical of Keir Starmer to say something like that, because in fact, there aren't 100,000 lorry drivers available in the rest of Europe, because they're also short uh, in those countries. So I don't know where he's going to get those from. Yes, and I, I don't, why, why would they come, you know, to now when when there is a shortage in their own country and they can probably get paid more i mean hopefully it will it will raise the wages mm. um i mean which is what many of us were arguing during the whole leave campaign was that actually ending ending free movement would actually yes. make british companies and british employers have to recognize that they are going to have to pay more mm. uh, and and wages would go up when we left the european union and we're seeing that but of course again the usual suspects don't want to accept that yeah, absolutely right. And maybe he's hoping that he can get 100,000 people in from the EU and give them the right to vote for Labour. <laughs> so they did in Scotland. <laughs> well, it, it, I mean, I, what, I'm not, you know, I'm not sort of sitting on my edge of my seat waiting for Keir Starmer's speech this afternoon. But I, I, I do think it'd be very interesting to see what he says about the EU and about Brexit. You know, I, I think if he's serious about even having a slightest chance of winning back um, many of those people who were left mm. Labour for Conservative, he's got to make it quite clear that you know the the debate over leaving the European Union is over. He's not going to adopt the, the Hillary Benn line that we should be fighting the next election, Labour, uh, on a ma- manifesto of rejoining the European Union. I think if Keir did anything like that, then he's completely um, uh, you know lost the any chance of getting uh, winning back um, those seats yes. in that we lost at the last election. No, I think that's absolutely right. Just one final thing. I don't know if you've seen the front page of the Telegraph this morning saying that uh, the French are now kicking off because apparently an awful lot of applications made from their small boats to fish in waters around Britain have been rejected uh, by the UK. Uh, The French basically say there's going to be another fishing war. Um, We shouldn't care about that, should we? No, I'd say bring it on. I mean, I would, you know, our fish, our fishing industry has suffered for years and years and years uh, by, by those boats from France and other countries that have been, you know, ruining our waters and taking our fish. And, uh, you know, I think the fishing deal we got wasn't good enough, but let's, let's, you know, let's not make it even worse. So I think the government's quite right. Let's, uh, you know, take, take them on on this and make it clear that we're not going to be, uh, allow, you know, we're not going to just simply allow them to come in and, and take extra from what they're even being allowed to at the moment yeah. and I think the fishing you know fishing and, and those people who support fishing in that industry will expect the government now to stand up for them and uh, use our our, um, our naval might if we have to yeah absolutely right Baroness Howie great to talk to you as ever thank you very much indeed uh, Kate Howie there from Lyle and Rathlin of course uh, she's been talking about the Northern Ireland protocol uh, invoking article 16 in order to get Northern Ireland back into the fold uh, as part of the United Kingdom not part of some kind of you know, sort of slightly um, aggregate, strange situation where it's part of Europe, part of the EU, part of the UK as well. And as far as the fishing war goes, as she says, bring it on. You know, the French are still upset uh, because we uh, gazumped them on the submarine deal with Australia. Sacre bleu, what can you do? 
It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. And here she is, the latest addition to the Plank of the Week team, Tony Buxton. Welcome. Thank you so much. I, what fun was it? Wasn't it, was it great? such fun. I so great to see time. two days in a row I had as well. Two days in a row. You know, and we said yesterday when you were, were leaving, I don't know what we'll talk about tomorrow. And I said, well, we'll always find something, Tony. We'll I mean, we never have a something. shortage of things to talk about. It's so, so tell true. us. Tell so, us. So, what the first you thing do. I want to say is. Um, so I have a cold. Do you know, do, do, do do you you? know about those? Do you know about those things? Shouldn't you be wearing a mask or something? Uh, or all of that stuff. To stop so, me from becoming infected by or, your cold. Or, that's it. You remember, remember the days huh? pre-COVID when people would have little colds? So I apologise for sounding a bit bunged up. Yes, you just but, sound um, fine, actually. Oh, do I? Mm. Okay. Well, what I want to talk about today, and I've got to read it out again, mm. because I just, I, I mean, it's so vile um, that I, I, I take great joy in reading it out, because I can't believe this came out of uh, deputy leaders mouth. This would be the Deputy Labour Party leader. The Deputy Labour Party leader, the lovely Angela Rayner. We cannot get any worse than a bunch of scum, homophobic, racist, misogynistic, absolute pile of banana republic, vile, nasty, Etonian, posh, piece of scum. Mm. And then she said, I held back a little. That's nice. Thank goodness. I I just want to kind of go over her words and understand who was she appealing to here? Yes. Was she appealing to all the Labour voters that the that Labour Party lost? Mm. Is that she was calling them because they were first-time Conservative voters scum? Yes. Was she appealing to my parents, who are hard-working people, who came over as immigrants, didn't really know much about politics, but kind of followed what was going on and realised that the people that were best for them were the Conservatives because they, weren't, they didn't work for the state, yes. they were business owners, mm. and it turned out that being a conservative was the best for the businesses. So these hardworking, lovely people. So she's calling my parents scum. Mm. And she feels that this language is fine. Yeah. She has refused to apologise for this language. Yeah. And I, I'm taking this as a personal insult. Yes. I don't think it's done her any good at all. I don't think it's done the Labour Party any good at all. And more sensible members of the Labour Party, um, and I would include Keir Starmer in that, even though I'm not a fan of his, you know, he's not happy about it. Uh, he supposedly told her off. Um, I don't know what she's thinking, but you heard the huge cheers in the background when she said it who for all he, the people that who, she was at the meeting with. Yes, I know, but I think that's kind of a group think mass hysteria. Yeah. I just... It's, no, I, no, I disagree. I think there are people in the Labour Party who absolutely utterly believe that, and they believe really? anybody who votes Tory is scum. They believe that anybody who is a Tory MP is scum, and they think that anybody who went to Eton is scum. It's not the sort of discrimination that we should have in this country, because imagine if you flipped it and made it out to be some other group of people, some particularly ethnic oh, group of could people, you or gay people, or people who had other certain beliefs, you know, green activists, you call them scum, you wouldn't, would you? No, I mean, I think that word is, is, is a horrible it's word. Vile, it, it's vile, It's a vile word, it's not a word I would use. No. But if I were going to use it, I'd save it for paedophiles and, yeah. and that type yes, of person. definitely. You know, I would not be using it on just people that, you know, are trying to not find somewhere to vote. Not people who actually have a slightly different political philosophy to you. Absolutely, and also the thing is, is that, um, you know, like I said, I'm... I'm 
not very political. So I've, I, you know, sometimes I don't vote. Mm. When I have voted, I've voted Labour. I've voted uh, yeah. Den. I'm, well, I you're voted like a lot of people, I'm sorry. not sure. You I, know, you are driven by what you hope the people who tell you that they're going to do something are going to do. Yes. And if you believe in them, uh, you will give them your vote. But Absolutely. More and more people, and I think you're one of them, are not really believing what they're being told. No, and also I'm not believing what I'm told. And also I don't understand these people that are, you know ingrained in one political party without right. thought for what they're doing. Yes. So, you know, that's why that so many people left Labour, because yeah. they, they just didn't, you know, they're not ingrained in that party, mm. whereas it used to be that way, didn't yes. it? Up north and certain places. Were but, of course, the Labour always... Party have taken people for granted for many, many years. Many I mean, when I was in Scotland first, which was back around the beginning of this century, um, Labour had an absolute lock on Scotland, but they didn't do anything for Scotland. You know, they'd always had these inner-city um, constituencies in Glasgow, in Edinburgh... They never improved the lot of the people living there. Some of the poorest parts of Britain were Labour constituencies because they didn't ever help them. They just yeah. kept them down and kept them voting Labour. And then and suddenly the SNP came along and now Labour can't get a, can't buy a seat in, in Scotland. In, no, because the thing is they took them for granted. Mm. The the people that I know that, you know, the reason that the people I know who've previously voted Labour are abhorred by her language. Mm. You know, the ones that I know, have already, everyone's cut the point is is we should all be coming from how can we get things better how can we make life better yes. for everybody right. yes you know some people are rich and they go to Eton you know but we're trying to improve everybody's yeah. life across the board yeah. so using this kind of divisive horrible vile language how does that help society it really does and especially after the last 18 months that we have had the most horrible time it's been a horrific time and the mental health of the nation we discuss this often you and yes. I is is in shatters and then so for this woman who's who's supposed to be the leader of a, of a main political party to come out and just call names and mm. be so unpleasant it's just so disappointing and this is the big thing for me these past 18 months all I felt for our politicians whoever they are is a huge amount of disappointment mm. they are very disappointing yes. none of them do anything I think well done that was heroic that's mm. what I expect from a leader yes. you've done something good it's just all in the muddy waters yes. and disappointing and what are they doing why have our politicians become so pathetic and mm. so unpleasant well I wonder sometimes as well where we would be had Covid not happened you know what would mm. Boris Johnson be talking about what would he be selling us if you like you know what would he be driving Britain towards you know and I'm not sure that I like what the answer to that is because I think the only other thing that he seems to care anything about uh, is turning everything green and you know as we know that can have a massive cost to it a massive cost to the people to the people that are struggling most that's where the massive cost is mm. and if you really care about the planet and i really care about the planet mm. i'm much less obsessed with this turning everything green i'm obsessed with plastics mm. you know during covid the use single use plastics just Exploded. Oh, we all forgot about that. We didn't all we? forgot about that. Mm. So because you couldn't take your own cup into a coffee shop right. to get coffee anymore, yeah. you had to use a single-use plastic right. throwaway thing. Yes. The amount of masks, two billion masks in the sea, mm. killing the sea life, causing um, the food chain to be completely ruined because yeah. the fish are eating the plastics, and they don't. These face masks, these disposable ones, uh, they last up to four hundred years yeah. in the sea. That is my concern. The plastics, the pollution are what is killing this planet. Mm. And that's something that we can do really simply. Yes. We don't have to, you know, give huge costs to families that can't afford to fix their boilers or mm. insulate their houses. Mm. We can just decide, right, we're not having them anymore. Yeah. The government and the world leaders can decide we're not using plastic anymore. Yes. Full stop. Let's they go back to before. Could. They absolutely could. I mean, supermarkets have managed to do it in quite short some order, have. haven't they? Yeah, some I mean, of I them bought have. Some, um, some lamb chops the other day, uh, which had 70, it said 70% less plastic. I think it was in Sainsbury's because yeah. they had that sort of shrink wrap type yeah. plastic instead of the big pile of stuff around it. And I do my best if I can, if I could buy, if I could buy them from a butcher's, uh, which I do f quite frequently and wrap them in paper. That's also fine. Absolutely. Um, but it's not always possible. But you do what you can do. You know, but you saw that mask study the other day where it said that uh, only 2% of people who didn't wear a mask at all got COVID. What I'd like to know is what's the, what's the percentage of people who did wear a mask who got, got COVID? Because oh, I can bet be you any money, higher. it's a lot higher than 2%. Much, much higher. Much, much higher. So, you know, if you really care about the environment, Greta, I would suggest you use your platform... Actually, I just wish you 
See, she's another one. who All, all she does now uh, is moan and groan about the yeah. fact that nobody's doing enough. And get on flights really? from here to there. Yeah. It's the hypocrisy. Do you know what it is, Mike? About all these people, it's the complete and utter hypocrisy of them that sickens me. Yeah. I am sick of hypocrisy. I'm sick of the hypocrisy of our politicians mm. and also those people that are standing up telling us the that celebs. they're more voyagers. The celebs or the virtuous. Their hypocrisy is yeah. sickening me and we've all had enough of it. Mm. And I feel that there is a tide turning now mm. that people are going to stand up and say no absolutely yeah. not we're oh, not for going sure. for that anymore well i mean look at this ludicrous story fireworks it's one of the great headlines i did a bit of a rant about it earlier they're having a, a firework display in dulwich this year where they always have it at the dulwich sports club only this year because of climate change they're not going to have a bonfire just... and they're not going to let children have sparklers so but they still want to charge you 10 quid to go so what are you going to do you're going to just look at it on a big they're going to have a big screen with oh a fire please on it. You know when you go, I mean, yeah. if I've ever, if I, I haven't actually happened, it hasn't happened to me, but I've always said to myself, if I walked into somebody's house and they had a television screen with a fire on it, I'd just walk back out of it. <laughs> I wouldn't wait, I wouldn't wait yeah, for the yeah. dinner. I'd just yeah, be going, yeah, sorry, just, yeah, it's not for me. Gone, absolutely gone. It's, it, well, it's just, everything goes too far, doesn't mm. it? And it becomes uncomfortable and it becomes unpleasant. I mean, who is going to take their child to that? Who? I know. Who is going to go to that? No I'm one. really curious to know who will go to that. I mean, it is Dulwich. And they are yeah. a bit sort of Ramonery down there, so you might find that you know there'll be a few Volvos. But of course, people will be driving well, the there. Joy. People drive there. They'll park their cars there. That's not very good for the environment, is it? I mean, I just it's this whole thing is it's like we've sidestepped talking about the real issues of the matter of the day that mm. are really important to common people like me. I'm a common person, and we're talking about the environment all the time because we're running out of time. And, yeah, but I, it's an emergency. Know, it's an emergency, but it seems like a panic emergency that's. Um, being construed and conducted that's not completely real a bit like the petrol situation yes. you know suddenly if it makes the headlines in the papers then it becomes something I'm not saying that we don't have to do something yeah. about the planet we you know we agree we are overpopulated and you know there's things going on we're polluting our planet we're doing certain things but fear-mongering and, and yeah. blocking people from going to work and this behavior is not going yes. to help also what, not. what this kind of thing proves as well the petrol crisis for what, it, uh, for what it's worth, is that people do need their cars because yeah. it's all very well in London, you know, for the ruling classes to go, well, why don't you just take the public transport? Well, let me tell you, when my son goes to his college, there's one bus that he can take in the morning uh, outside of London, and if he misses it, there is another one. Yeah. So yeah. there's no actual choice. So if he starts later, which he sometimes does because his first lecture might be in the afternoon, he has to go a different route. He has to go by train. He has to take two trains to get to a place that you can drive to in about 15 minutes. Yeah. No, and I it mean, takes about an hour and ten. It is, it is an insanity. It's hopeless. And, and, and also, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit cross with you oh, okay. for, for being mean to the people that are queuing up. Yes. Because you are sometimes quite mean about them. Well, I am quite mean because I don't believe that they need to be there. I do think there are some people that have absolutely did not need to be there. We've seen that, you mm. know, with their jerry cans and being ridiculous. But I do think a lot of people, because of the state of the our psychological state that we're in at the moment, that feeling of panic is is it's there. It's it's left over from the lockdown. It's left over from COVID. Yes. And so the media us guys and you guys mm. and those of us that are in the media but there are certain media channels that I could blame more yes um made this frenzy and caused people to panic and made them think oh gosh do I have enough yes I might have half a tank but do I have enough what if I run out and it caused the panic mm. the media are causing this the media have caused um a lot of damage in society that and may well be true to blame. And, I, and I would and I would go along with you that certainly not all media is to blame and certainly no. we're not to blame for that because we tell the truth here at talk radio yeah but what I would say uh, is that people have been also kind of I don't know if it's um, educated to do this, but but have been kind of trained almost to want to never run out of anything. Yes. There's nothing wrong with running out of things. You know, if you run out of milk, you know, do something else. You know, I had to make a, a curry the other night. Um, uh, sorry, no, mashed potatoes. And I didn't have any milk and I couldn't be bothered going out to get milk. So I found a can of coconut milk and I used that. that Perfectly good, right? I completely agree with you. Whereas we're, we're used to we've been sort of, too much. Yeah, we've been we've been sort of um, in somehow you know made to believe that you must have everything in the cupboard, everything. You yeah, know. and everything on the on the supermarket. You know, like what if well. you haven't got any spaghetti? Well, we use some other pasta. Yeah. You know, I was talking to Del Vinci and he was talking about people in food poverty, and you can buy pasta in Lidl's for twenty seven pence. Yeah. Now, don't tell me you can't afford to do that. 
No, I mean, when it comes to cooking um, with, a, with a reasonable budget, it can be done. But the only problem with that is that you need to cook from scratch. Yes. And unfortunately, most people don't cook from scratch. They've learned that that tradition. You know, I'm, I'm of Greek origin. Yeah. You know, my grandmother taught me to cook. My mother taught me to cook. And, mm. and I've taught my daughters to I cook. I mean, my mother was a terrible cook. But, but she, she still <laughs> cooked, right? Yeah. We did, because also in the 70s... You're allowed you, to say that on the radio. Yeah. She's 97. <laughs> okay, you know, she loves what, what I say. She <laughs> yeah. watches the show every night. It's fine. Um, um, and hello, <laughs> I'll see you soon. Um, the point is this: that that um, that I. But I learned how to cook. Funnily enough, by working in a bakery uh, as a boy when I was fourteen, I got yeah. a job there of making cakes, and I learned for there was always people that were chefs and stuff like that, and I just loved the idea of cooking. So I was taught that that was a great thing to do. Yeah, and um, I don't understand why no, nobody else does that. Because we've lost the tradition. Unfortunately, we've lost the tradition. We start to think that it's it's we don't have enough time because people's time in their day has stopped. Uh, you know, it's it's become much shorter. Most women now are working. It's it, you don't have the time to cook. I get that, but we've been told this false thing that you know, getting in fast foods or buying things that are pre packaged or mm. pre-marinated I yeah. mean that's the one that drives me oh. nuts most of yeah. all. Because if you look at the e numbers and and the stuff that goes yeah. in just to marinate, it's so bad for you. And you could do that in two seconds yourself. I just think. If everybody, if... And I but say again, it's, it's all this, the time. urgency, isn't it? It's like, well, I haven't got time to marinate it. But, yeah. Well, you have, actually. You have, and it's a little bit more thought. Yes. If you take two seconds more to, to think about what you're going to cook and have a little bit of a plan, you can cook really delicious food mm. really cheaply and really quickly. Yes. It's not difficult to do. That's the main thing. And that's what I think that the government should have spent all their money on. They, I'm so fed up of the government frittering away the money that I my taxes and the money that we earn yeah. and I, I, I think that I want to be a referendum on everything they spend now I don't agree with the money that's been spent on the BBC no the I BBC mean, is, is bloated beyond belief isn't yeah, it absolutely and now the, the, the head of it Tim Davies just Tim given himself Davey. a 75,000 pound pay rise on top of what though Mike on, on top, top of, of what? 470 odds so he's, he's over half a million over now over half a million for what I know I want to know for what for for really getting on my nerves and making me scream and want to kick the telly mm. I mean I, sometimes I feel like Elvis I want to just yeah. shoot the television but you know I was listening to Kevin O'Sullivan last night and he was talking about this and he played a bit of this guy Tim Davies speaking before a parliamentary committee mm. about what the BBC does and he sounded like a character from the thick of it you know because <laughs> he was talking that sort of you know what I call marketing babble oh. where you talk about you know um, let's all sit down in the middle of the room and you know contemplate our navels and come up with some really really interesting ideas and it's all that kind of rubbish yeah. right it's a TV company it translates first and foremost yeah. it means nothing for you to speak as though you're some kind of marketing executive from Wall Street yeah you know don't do that don't do it just make some decent TV and make what people want to watch yeah. or you know make educational TV that was the one thing about the BBC that that when I was growing up that I loved because it didn't have to chase ratings it would do things that you know maybe others might have thought a bit boring but a lot of the time it was um, factual entertainment and you were you were learning you know it was educating yeah. you whilst you were watching it now they seem to be worse than the kind of channels that have to chase ratings in mm. order to keep going when did that happen the BBC should step back it should yeah. be a moral high ground it should be a moral well, high I don't ground think on how to they should be making anything which would be considered to be say for example something like Strictly I mean that's not a show they should be making why are they making that show because it's entertainment it's not educational particularly no. it's there for, for, the, for the ratings and they'll say oh well we sell it around the world and we make money well yeah, but that's not what you're there for, you know. And for a long time, Don't the BBC mind. used to, you know, keep people like Talk Sport out of the market for buying rights to, to certain things because yeah. Talk Sport, being a commercial company, hasn't got endless supplies of money. No. And the BBC did. Luckily, I mean, now they don't do it so much. But I, I don't, I don't mind them having certain entertainment. But I do, I definitely mind them chasing ratings all the time, and I certainly mind them having. <laughs> The whole thing that's going on with the Strictly Dancers yeah. at the moment. I don't know why the BBC hasn't come out and said, this is personal choice, yes. we are not going to get into well, this at least, argument. I mean, to why be fair, at least they haven't insisted that they get the vaccine, which is good. I think they know that that's just too far. Yes, I, I think, think so. they know that people will think that's just too far. Also, especially... isn't it funny that the two people who have got COVID have yes. been vaccinated? I, well, that's just poetic right. justice, isn't it? Well, indeed. Just poetic justice. I, I love that. But go, coming back to the amount of money that Tim Davy is being paid... Mm. I mean, something has to happen, yeah. doesn't it, Mike? We have to have an inquiry. Well, also, he's we not the only one that's being paid that kind of crazy money. Yeah. I mean, look, some of the radio presenters are on a million pounds a year. But for what? I know. 
They, they, it doesn't justify I mean, good luck that to them, But they wouldn't get it here. Well, they don't. Well, I mean, it's not that you don't deserve it here. But every, no, you just don't no, deserve but the that argument type is of tax that, money. Well, if we don't pay them that kind of money, they'll go somewhere else. Well, where are you going exactly. to go for that kind of money? Exactly. Oh gosh, that's a really good point. That's the point. My point is that um, the BBC should BBC should be a channel that you, you BBC. Can, you've, BBC. You've, you've, you've done. You've done a, one of those gender things. Ge- yes, have I done that? <laughs> I'm sorry, they'll do that. that they'll, they'll do well, that we'll soon. Call, yeah, they'll the have BBC. International Women's Day. They'll call it the BBC. Listen, uh, what they should be doing, okay, is taking talent, growing talent, and yeah. making it go through their system. Mm. And hopefully that talent will then go to commercial channels. Why not? Yeah. That's what the BBC should be doing. Yes. It should be helping and people go And also they should through, be helping young hold... people to get into the business. Exactly. And have apprenticeships. And Absolutely. Actually, I mean, they've only now just started talking about working class kids, because they talk about diversity all the time in the BBC. But it doesn't matter what colour you are. They're all middle class. Yeah. So they're all the same. Yeah. It's got no, there's no issue of, of ethnicity. But what they don't, what you don't see if you walk into Broadcasting House is any working class kids yeah, working absolutely. there because they're just not employed. But that's what we should, they should do. Should, I think we should start something up yeah. so to kind of, no, I don't want to def- maybe, maybe cap the f- cut the fat of the funds of mm. the BBC. So not necessarily defund the BBC, but restructure yes. it. So all these fat cats are gone because yeah. I don't understand. I don't understand what he does that justifies no. over half a million. I have no idea exactly what right. he can possibly be doing It's a there. bit like the NHS, you know. There are lots of good things about the NHS and lots of parts of it that work very yeah. well, but there's lots of parts of it that are completely inefficient and, yeah. and overfunded and they should be fixed in the same way the BBC should. And as we've just jumped onto the NHS, I want to ask you, Mike, when these COVID rules are going to be lifted, mm. my mother-in-law is in hospital and we can only visit her twice a week. Really? She's not in a good way and we are not allowed to visit her more than twice a week. She has these endless days on her own which are not helping her no. get better at all, right. at all, and we can only visit her twice a week. Now, I've had massive rows on the phone with the people that book because you have to book the appointment get an email I mean it's just so ridiculous you know if my mum had to book an appointment to see my mother-in-law she couldn't do it she could not do it because she hasn't got an email and she Mm. couldn't do any of this stuff but why are we still holding on to this thing why are our family and our relatives suffering in hospitals without having the comfort Mm. of their family why is that continuing I know what's going on well it was only this week that they said uh, oh we're going to do away with social distancing and so we can actually put more beds closer to Together, meaning they can get more people into the hospital. I don't know why they haven't done that six months ago. Neither do I. You but know. this thing about two twice a week mm. to see, visit That's someone ridiculous. who's lying there all day long, yeah. seven days a week, is ridiculous. And after I get off, leave here, I'm going to call back and start yeah. screaming some Good. more at them. Well, I tell you what, I'll fair. put that to somebody uh, in the business and see what we can get from them, see whether they can improve that, because that's ridiculous. It is ridiculous, and it really doesn't help people get better. No. Because they, they're just lonely sitting in those beds and very sad sitting in those beds. Mm. The, we know, and this is why lockdown was so wrong, that what affects people's health is company and mm. loneliness is the biggest killer it's a huge killer and lockdown caused such loneliness it caused such damage never mind about the effects of the people that couldn't get appointments to doctors and hospitals the loneliness killed them mm. so we have to reverse that now we do absolutely right we're out of time already again we thought we'd never have enough things to I talk know. we didn't know what we were going to talk about i'm sorry tonya buxton uh you've got to watch plank of the week she's brilliant on it uh it's in a brilliant new studio it's fabulous richard Tice is on it as well but don't worry about him he's got his own <laughs> show um this is talk radio this is talk radio across the uk online on dab plus and on the talk radio app the independent republic of mike gray on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. Now, there are some things when you see them, you just think, no, surely not. Surely to heavens, we haven't gone that mad. Surely, for heaven's sake, you would never dream of having a bonfire night without a bonfire, would you? Well, guess what? Somebody's decided that it's a good idea. And here it is, Fire Wokes. One of the great headlines there. Uh, It's a page lead in the Sun uh, newspaper because uh, there's a place called Dulwich, which is in South London, uh, a place called the Dulwich Sports Club, where they have a firework display every single year on bonfire night, because, of course, it's November the 5th. Remember, remember the 5th of November, uh, gunpowder, treason and plot, Guy Fawkes and all that sort of thing. Um, However, this year, they've decided unlike last year, to have the event. Last year, they didn't have it because of COVID. This year, they're going to have it. Only this year, they're not going to have a bonfire. Why? Because apparently, it's not good for the environment. (laughs) Um, They're also banning sparklers. So if you want to bring your kids along, 
they won't be able to have any sparklers because that's bad for the environment as well. However, they're still having actual fireworks. So while they're not having a bonfire, they're not having any sparklers, they're still having actual fireworks. Now, they want you to pay 10 quid for the privilege of going to this thing, even though you won't be able to be very warm, which is what most people like to do on bonfire night, is stand relatively close to the bonfire because it keeps them warm, because normally it's quite cold on November the 5th or whatever time they actually have the uh, explosive event. But it seems to me uh, that we are now literally at peak madness in this country. I mean, they're going to put a screen up, right? A big screen with a picture or a video of a fire. What is going on? What is wrong with these people? Have you not looked over to old uh, uh, Tenerife and, and the Canary Islands to see that massive great volcano pumping toxic waste into the air, pumping lava into the sea? Probably not great for the environment either. But I don't think a bonfire in Dulwich on one night only is likely to change the course of the future of the planet. Do you? I think I'm going to have my own bonfire uh, just to celebrate for every single night in November that I can. Unbelievable. Absolute numpties. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.